A lot of people think that you have to be all or nothing when you're getting into the interior design industry. But today's guest intentionally managed her entry into the industry in a way that works for her and her family. Let's meet Claire Parkin. Welcome to the Hubcast, brought to you by the Interior Designers Hub, where we help and support interior designers to get trained, get into the industry and to grow wildly successful businesses. If you want to work in the field you love, create the lifestyle you desire, and make the money you truly deserve, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Kate Hatherall. Let's get into it. I am very excited to welcome Claire Park into the Hubcast today. Hi, Claire. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Amazing, though. Thank you very much for being here. So, Claire, tell us a little bit about your business and what you do at the moment. So, at the moment, um, much like yourself, I guess, I'm juggling lots of different balls. So, I work for myself um, kind of three days a week, maybe four days a week. And I have a small interior design studio here in Kent, and I specialise in residential design in the main. Um, But I also work two days a week as a teacher. And I've been in education for 20 years, um, teaching all sorts from, gosh, young offenders when I first started teaching, primary school, university lecturing, training teachers, and now I'm working in a secondary school. So it's really, really varied. Um, So yeah, I kind of juggle the two and I'm a mum as well. So yeah, lots going on. Amazing. That does sound like a big juggle. So how do you manage to kind of do all of that? How do you fit it all in? (laughs) Um, I think I'm very, very fortunate in that I genuinely love interior design. So it doesn't, I know it's cheesy to say, but it doesn't feel like a job to me. It's it's things that I would do anyway if I in my spare time and um, just for fun. So that's really lovely. And I also love teaching. I find it really rewarding. I find it um, a lovely kind of complement to interior design because when I'm working on my own kind of three days a week, unless I'm doing client work, I do get quite lonely and um, I don't like not being in community kind of with people. So I love going into school and working there two days a week and so, so it, it, I kind of juggle it because it, I, I like it and, it and it feels natural for me to do both of those jobs. Um, but then also, I guess just being a teacher gives you some serious organisation skills um, <laughs> <laughs> and skills that I didn't have before uh, becoming a teacher. And I remember in my early career really struggling because I didn't have those organisation skills. And now I really do. So I just put them to use, really, in all areas of life, not just teaching amazing I'm in awe of how you managed to fit it all in (laughs) so um Claire tell me um, have you always been an interior designer and teacher combined or did life look quite different for you before um I guess the the passion for interiors was always there so I've always done something right from when I was at school studying for my A-levels so I took um an extra class that my school was offering at the time in interior design and I remember we had um an interior designer that was working for Marks and Spencer at the time who came in and ran a couple of additional sessions um and I absolutely loved it I just oh I loved it so much and it was that I guess that really fueled the passion for it and then went off to uni trained to be an interior designer uh, not interior designer trained to be a teacher um but just always 
read interior design magazines. Um, when I was training for it to be a teacher, blogging was quite the new big thing. <laughs> so we're going back to the kind of early 2000s. Um, so I read lots and lots and lots and lots of interior design blogs, um, which is still going now, but kind of Design Sponge and Holly Becker. And um, there's a lovely stylist that, gosh, I talk about all the time called Marie Nichols. She had a great blog. So I was teaching, but then I also thought, I'm going to start a little blog of my own. So mm. I started an interior design blog and wrote that. And I think that's probably about 15 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a section of my main website now, but um, did that. And then along the way, opportunities just came through that alongside teaching. So I started assisting on interior magazines during some holidays and Easter holidays because I didn't have children then. <laughs> so I could, <laughs> I was freer. Um, and yeah, got experience in styling that way. And yeah, just kept going and going and studying interior design at college and things alongside being a teacher. And then about four years ago, thought, I'm just going to go for it and launch and start my own business. And so, yeah, here we are. Amazing. And here you are today. And um, so that um, it sounds as though that journey. So it started with the blog. And is that blog mm. still something that you do today? It is. Yeah, I, I don't do it as frequently yeah. um, because I'm so busy doing actually interior design now, which is lovely. Um, But it is, it's always something that's on my to-do list of, I need to update the blog, I need to update the blog. But I I really enjoy writing it because um, I think at the time when I started it, it was such an antidote to teaching (laughs) because teaching was so prescriptive and you follow the national curriculum and there are certain things you have to do um, and you actually have very little freedom um, I hope I don't start a riot saying all of this, but you have very little freedom within the national curriculum within state school um, to, to teach a wide variety of subject material. It's very prescriptive. And I think when you've been in a teacher for five plus years, it, it starts to feel the same. And I loved writing my blog because there was no one checking it. No Ofsted was going to come in and analyse it. Um, I didn't have to write it to a certain prescriptive yep. format. I could be really creative and write whatever I liked. And the judgment came from readers and whether you had readers or not. And, and that was fine. So it was a real creative outlet for me um, that I think was, was kind of missing at the time. Absolutely. And it sounds as though, you know, you really got that kind of creative bit, um, you know, of, of, I guess, your needs met by being able to do that. Um, But I'm also really interested because it seems as though that opened up other doors for you as well. So tell me how that came about. Yeah, it did. So I um, so what I would do is um, it was really simple, but I linked my WordPress blog site to Twitter and every time I posted, a little tweet would go out saying, oh, I've, you know, written about spring decor trends or whatever it was that I was writing about at the time. And um, those tweets just started getting picked up, not by hundreds and thousands of people. I probably only had about 500 followers on Twitter, if I'm honest. But um, I remember Laura Ashley picked it up. Oh, wow. And said, yeah, at the time and said, oh, if we send you some... Um, fabric would you make something with it and do a post on your blog so I'm, oh okay yeah so I did that and yep. then Cox and Cox picked me up so I got um so I guess this was kind of the really early days of being in a social influencer but yes. without any following 
I love it. So I don't I don't get those opportunities now because I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers. I, I'm still on like 1,000, 2,000. It's very, very small. But um, I, I did really enjoy it. And I just styled, yeah, styled up um, a lamp and a few bits from Cox and Cox in my home and posted about that. And then Laura Ashley USA picked up my Laura Ashley UK post on making cushions so that got me a bit more exposure in America so the vast yeah the vast majority of my readership is actually American it's not British um so that was quite interesting and then Sunday Times style magazine found a random tweet and said oh "Oh, can you take a few snaps of your home and and we'll pop it in the Sunday Times style so um so I was in that magazine um which was amazing, or newspaper, a very, very tiny, short bit. But yeah, one of our readers' homes. So just, yeah, just from writing and being online, it, it got picked up um, by a few really interesting people, which is really fun. I absolutely love that. And um, it's, it is amazing, isn't it, how you can just be kind of one person sat at home with yeah. your computer doing something that you love and that that can be the kind of simplest and directest route into doing something that you love. Yeah. Yeah, you really can. And a lot of my interior design education, as it were, came from online to start with and reading blogs and, yeah, taking on board what different people were doing, what they were saying, learning from them. And, it yeah, it was just lovely. It was really nice. So how did you go from that? So those kind of, you know, brand collaborations and being picked up and published in a few different places. How did that then move into kind of paid work and a bit more kind of substantial stuff for you? Yeah, well, I guess I I was doing that in bits and pieces because I was also teaching full time. Um, And as any teacher will tell you, I, I was kind of in middle leadership by then in school. And I was working about 55 hours a week, 60 hours a week. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and so I, I, it was pretty few and far between. Um, and so it only really came about once I'd left full-time teaching in state school and I became a university lecturer. And that's still um, a really hefty amount of work and fast pace. But it it gave me a little bit more breathing space I think because I was working with adults and not children. <laughs> and even though I absolutely love working with kids, um, they, you know, you'd just be drained at the end of the day after working with a class of <laughs> kind of seven or eight year olds. It was great. And I loved them all to bits, but um, you'd just be really tired. And so it kind of gave me some evenings back again, um, which allowed me to, yeah, do some, do some study at college. And then I had a few opportunities just through word of mouth, really. People were saying um, from friends and the church that I was attending at the time, they said, oh, we need, um, we want to repaint. They wanted to repaint a section of the church to to make it into like a community coffee shop and a social hub for the community. And they just asked for some help with choosing a paint colour, which I did. And it was really that, that's all it was, choosing a paint (laughs) colour. And then after that, some people in the church said, oh, we're doing an extension or we, we don't know what to do, you know, with this part of our room. Can you come around and just give us advice? And so people would pay me um, not huge amounts, expenses, really, but to go around. And I just began to practice that client facing work um, through people that I knew and just 
passing on trend advice or this is a good blog you might want to read or this is a good supplier of fabric you might want to look at and just sharing knowledge really um not doing not doing big designs for people or anything just sharing knowledge um and it kind of grew from there um until I felt brave enough to register as a sole trader and say no I'm actually going to do this and I'm going to call myself an interior designer and that was the major hurdle hurdle for me actually calling myself it and I I think that um, what's so nice about your journey and I think will provide a lot of comfort to other people as well is that you can go into it as gently as that so it can be about helping someone choose a paint color and then going around and helping to give advice to somebody because I think a lot of people think that it's kind of an all or nothing thing that you have to kind of you know give up your job and you have to launch this business and that it has to be some kind of huge massive life transformation but in fact you can kind of ease into it in a slightly more subtle way as you know as you've just shown. Yeah and I'm I'm very much all for advocating that I think it's brilliant if people go from you know nothing to everything overnight I think we get a false narrative through social media or um, even from from people sometimes selling you online courses and things as in I'll teach you this and within seven days you will have a six-figure business and all this kind of really (laughs) hyped up talk which may be true but in the main, I'm guessing they're doing that because they want to sell their courses. And But I think when you see that a lot, day in, day out, you can become quite... Um, you can become quite kind of down in the dumps and think, oh, well, I'm not growing and my following on social media is really small. Um, but I've I've been there and done that with 55, 60-hour weeks working yourself into the ground, having heart palpitations at the age of 28 for a few years because I was working so hard in teaching. Um, and now I'm like ripe old age of, I'm almost 43. I'm really against that now. I'm <laughs> like a grandma who says, no, <laughs> take your time. I'm all for just moving at your own pace making wise decisions. Um, My home life, my family life can be really up and down sometimes. You know, as I was sharing with you, I'm an adoptive mum, which is a brilliant, massive honour, but it brings so many challenges being an adopter as well. And um, so sometimes work life does have to, it can't move as quickly as I would like it to because my, my kids and my family come first and I really have to invest in them. Um, sometimes and so I'm not someone that would say for me personally oh stay up till 12 one o'clock in the morning work 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 because my kids get up at half five and so if I did that it would be the end of me um so yeah I'm I'm very much one for build it at your pace make wise decisions so I still work two days a week because it gives me a steady income at the moment that pays my mortgage and that's especially beneficial at this kind of current time um it pays into my pension and all those kind of boring things yeah, yeah. and yeah which are really important and then interior design is growing and it is growing it's exciting but my personal business is growing slowly over time and um yeah that's kind of the way that I like to do it as well amazing and it's nice so it's all um gentle but um intentional and that yeah. you're making choices to do things that you want to and to balance your life in the way that works for you and your family as well yeah yeah so something that you said a little bit earlier about that point that you got to where you were like okay now I'm going to 
do it. I'm going to register as a sole trader and I'm going to start calling myself an interior designer. It sounds as though that was kind of quite a big step for you. Can you remember kind of the fears that you had at the time? Like, why did it not feel okay to be calling yourself an interior designer? Why was that a big step for you? Um, I think just like everybody else, you you worry about imposter syndrome. You compare yourself to everybody else um, and think, oh, gosh, I'm not as good as them. I'm not as good as them. Um, I was really nervous about my lack of technical knowledge, as in, at the time, I thought that if I called myself an interior designer, I would I needed to know everything about wiring, electrics and plumbing and <laughs> space planning, place planning a, a, a kitchen or a bathroom and things like that. And I'm realising that those things are important. But again, I'm still learning those as I go now. And if I'm doing a bathroom, I get a qualified plumber in to tell me whether the things that I'm designing are going to work. Um I'm getting an electrician in to tell me if the wiring is going to work for a project. And no, Claire, you can't quite have that light there because it needs to be this distance away from this. And so, um, yeah, I'm learning as I go. But I think I, it was mainly just focusing on all the things I didn't know and worrying about that rather than thinking about what I could offer and what I did know. And that was, um, yeah, the major, major hurdle and it was actually only since, yeah, big plug, but it was only joining the Interior Designers Hub and talking to other interior designers at the same kind of stage as me, which was right at the beginning, doing the training that's in the hub and, and taking it step by step that gave me the confidence to say, OK, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. That That's brilliant. And I think we always have that feeling, don't we, that we have to know everything and we have mm. to be the expert. And if we say I'm an interior designer, that, as you say, you should know everything about it. But actually, it's more powerful, isn't it, to bring in an expert to advise you rather than yeah. kind of fudging it and pretending that you know everything. And I yeah. think it's quite a bit of strength in saying, actually, I don't know and I'm not going to make this up and I'm not going to fudge it. I'm mm. actually going to go and get some professional help here and that that's an OK thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And and also, um, I think in a, in a weird way, when you do start doing that, it actually makes your business sound bigger than it maybe is as well. Because I'll go now to a site meeting and a client might say, do you think I can have a, a shower there? And I'll say, mm, I, I would hope so. We could definitely design it in, but I'm going to need to check with my team. Let me talk to my plumber. Now, my plumber is a nice guy that works with me, but he doesn't work for me. He also works for lots of other people. Um, but he, you know, he does work with me as well. And I know that I can ask him questions if I have them. But actually sometimes saying, oh, I need to talk to this person or I need to talk to that person, um, I think builds credibility as well. For sure, for sure. And um, we've, I mean, we've had talks, as I'm sure you know, in the hub before from, um, we had Wayne the TV carpenter in, and he was yeah. talking about exactly that, about how, you know, designers and other trades can um, collaborate together. Mm -hmm. And that when you do that, you actually produce a stronger end result for your client, because it has been kind of group sourced rather than it just being from one person's brain and one person's knowledge. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say my some of my most successful kind of bigger projects today have been through, through collaboration. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. So, Claire, thinking back to um, sort of the beginning of your journey or even beyond that, do you wish that there was anything that you'd done differently or would you go back and give yourself some advice about a different way to do it? Or would you just let the story kind of unfold as you have done? 
Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think <laughs> I think I would let the story unfold as it has done because everything that happened along the way needed to happen. I needed that experience to be able to move forward. But I would say that I definitely learned so much from every experience. So I think some of the key things I learned at the start were I didn't charge enough, nowhere near enough money <laughs> to do the work that I was doing for people. Um, I have learned the types of questions to ask clients as I go through, you know, working with different and multiple clients. And the questions that I ask now, I, I probably wasn't asking right at the start, but that's just the benefit of of wisdom and of, of growing through experience. I still did, I can look back though and feel proud of myself because I know I still did a really good job on those early designs um for people but there were lots of things that I wasn't aware of such as people won't read your paperwork they won't read the contract really necessarily they might not read the package that they're paying for um so those are things that you you do need to go over with your client in those initial meetings whereas again coming from teaching I made lots and lots of assumptions that what you send out, people will sit and read because that is what happens in school. <laughs> and you, you send paperwork out and people read it and you read other people's because you don't necessarily have time for chats. So you have to read everything that comes through. Um, and I think my first ever job, that I realised the client hadn't read what they were paying for and it was expecting the next package up a lot of work instead of what they'd paid for they were fine once I pointed it out to them not a problem it was it ended amicably it was it was a great project but it really taught me (laughs) that people don't necessarily um read everything in the way that yeah I might do so yeah I would I would let things kind of happen the way that they happened step by step but um I think if I could kind of go back and talk to myself I'd say you know you're fine. Keep going. You're doing a really good job. It's better than you think it is. You're seeing all the negatives. They're not. They're happy with what you've designed. They're happy that they don't have to now think about what they're going to do with their home. They can just get on and do it. Um, yeah, and just have more confidence, really. Absolutely. And I think we're always our own worst critics, aren't we? And we yeah. look at what we've done and we think, that's not good enough. And it's mm. always like, even when you get positive feedback from a client, you can be thinking, yeah, but do they really mean it? Are they really happy with it? And actually... Yes, they are. It's just yeah. that we look at ourselves and think that's not good enough. I could have done better. And it can, you know, hold you back in the beginning for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think something else that I've learned from, I mean, I've only been trading for about four years, so I haven't got kind of years and years behind me. But something I have really learned is that when you're going in and designing someone's home, quite often you're doing way more than that because what well, I find I do anyway, because I'm sometimes a listening ear for people um I'm not only saying you know this is a design but I'm helping them with their space planning helping to make their life slightly less chaotic if they've got children and toys everywhere helping them to bring a bit more structure and organization into their day through having a really lovely designed well-designed space um and those are all the kind of extra bits that I hadn't factored in to interior design I thought it was just create a scheme give it to someone and and you implement it but actually the the benefits of having good interior design means that 
a massive weight is lifted off people's shoulders because they're not looking around their home the whole time thinking, oh, that doesn't work and that's a frustration and I need to do this here and I need to update this here. When it when it's designed and works really well, it's it's all brought together. So you're adding, you know, more calm, order, <laughs> less chaos, um, all of those kind of things into people's lives as well, which is lovely. It's a real privilege. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And I quite often say to people, you're not actually selling interior design, you're selling transformation and you're selling yeah. comfort and you're selling pride and, you know, all of those things mm. that really matter to people. Yeah, definitely. And and also just, yeah, for some of the families that I've worked with, to know that, you know, the feedback I get afterwards is, oh, I now come home and I just relax from my yeah. day at work. And it feels, I often get from... Um, some of my family-based clients, oh, it feels like a grown-up space. <laughs> it feels really grown up now, um, which is lovely. It's really nice. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Claire, thank you so much for um, coming along and sharing your journey today. And it's um, I, I love your take on it and how, you know, of course, the journey is different for every person. But I, yeah. I know that there will be lots of people out there that are thinking it has to be all or nothing. And I love the way that you've kind of merge together the two things that you love doing and you know you've got your kind of sensible boxes ticked with like you know the mortgage paid and all of those sorts of things but also your creative side um done as well but you've done it in a way that kind of works for you in your lifestyle and I know that that's going to reassure a lot of people that think it does have to be an all or nothing thing yeah I, I would strongly advocate for just go for it have fun with it enjoy it but don't don't feel like you have to be setting up this multi-million pounds you know one day I hope my business does reach that kind of height don't don't get me wrong I don't put a ceiling on myself I'm still like you said I'm very intentional with setting my yearly goals and my quarterly goals and how I want things to grow and improve but I'm um yeah I think because in my early career I I did work to the detriment of my health I'm not willing to do that again so I yeah I'm willing to just take it out of pace instead and yeah. do it do it sensibly and I say that now I'm older <laughs> <laughs> we live and we learn do we not we live yeah and... <laughs> definitely yeah Claire before you go would you be happy to play a game of designer this or that with me definitely let's do it yeah Amazing. okay so I'm going to give you the choice of two options and you just have to choose the one that you favor as quickly as you can without thinking too hard <laughs> all right yes <laughs> okay let's set a minute on the clock and let's go new or recycled recycled leather or vegan vegan brand paints or color matched brand paints yeah Faux plants or real plants? Real plants, always. <laughs> Plumping cushions or karate chopping cushions? Ah, it's difficult. I would start with a karate chop, but I end up with a plump because that's my <laughs> lifestyle and I've got small children that climb on things. <laughs> oh, linen or velvet? Velvet. Glam or rustic? I'm really sorry. It depends on the project. Probably rustic. Probably rustic, <laughs> yeah. Art deco or pop art? Art Deco. Changing rooms or interior design masters? Is it really bad to say I'm not a fan of either? I know that's awful. Interior design masters. Floral or plain? Floral. George Clark or Kevin MacLeod? Oh, uh, Kevin MacLeod. Oh, sorry, George. Symmetrical or asymmetrical? Symmetrical. Brushed chrome or shiny chrome? Brushed chrome. Carpet or hard flooring? Hard flooring. 
Victorian or Edwardian? Victorian. Okay, and that is our time up. Thank you so much, Claire, for playing for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry for the ones that I am denied on. <laughs> so, um, Claire, if anybody would like to get in touch with you, if they're perhaps Kent-based and looking for a designer, how can they find you? So, yeah, lots of my social media handles and my website is just my name. So, um, Claire Parkin is my website and handles are at Claire Parkin Interiors. Amazing. Brilliant. Claire, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been really lovely to hear your story. And as I said, it will provide reassurance and inspiration for other people that are perhaps facing a similar journey and have heard how you've got to where you are today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely. Take care. Thanks, Claire. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Hubcast by the Interior Designers Hub. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot and share it to Facebook, Instagram or your favourite social media channel. Make sure to tag me in at Interior Designers Hub and let me know what you enjoyed about this episode. I reply to each and every comment. I'd also like to offer you an incredible free gift, which is going to show you the exact roadmap that you need to take to become a wildly successful interior designer. It shares our secrets to business success. If you'd like to get your hands on that, head on over to interiordesignershub.co.uk forward slash roadmap right now. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.